Okay, for everybody listening, uh, this is the episode, uh, the, one of the second episodes that we're doing on the Corvette T8. Uh, this is Albert with Flat Out Investments, and I have Lamp with me, who I actually met on the group. It's an awesome page that we have on Facebook. It has about 3,100 members, and uh, I believe that number keeps on growing about every week or every month. And uh, Lance, if you want to just kind of introduce yourself, kind of, you know, maybe let's want to start as far as the background of where you came, you know, with cars, high performance-wise. Um, it, it's up to you how you want to kind of go into that. Yeah, so, um, yeah, my name is Lance. Uh, a lot of people know me just as Lambo, you know, short for Lamborghini. Um, and how I came into cars, pretty much uh, as as far back as I can remember, man, as a kid, they've always caught my eye. I've always been one of those kids that just liked how they looked. I liked how they sound. Um, I always wanted to just get in them and drive them. The first, one of the first things I, I did when I was 15 years old here in Florida was as soon as I turned 15, I got on getting my permit. That was the first thing I did when I was 15. I was like, I need to get my permit. Um, and then I got my permit and then I got a Mustang. GT when I was 15 years old and okay. I was driving it around on my permit without a driver and I got him pulled over and I got tickets and um and all that good stuff man I just I, I couldn't I could I couldn't wait to drive man you so couldn't wait. I was doing, huh <laughs> I said you couldn't wait to drive just like I think most of us car guys I think we all we all followed that same line man we, we couldn't yeah, wait man, to me, like, I, I couldn't wait to get it to, it was a red Mustang it I, 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 you couldn't tell me shit, you know? I, I was like the coolest well, kid in my head. I couldn't wait to get in there and just put the pedal wait, to the metal. What, what year was it? It was a 1999 Mustang, Ford Mustang GT. Okay, cool. And that was back in uh, 2000 and, oh man, wait, I was in high school, man. I was, I was yeah, 15, 16 years old. I turned 15, 16, you know? That's cool, Lance. I had a, uh, one of my first Mustangs actually was a, uh, a 99, I had a 99 Mustang Saline, uh, an S281, which was pretty awesome. And, oh, so, um, so, so you feel me. Oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was, uh, it was pretty awesome. It was, it was funny. It was, uh, I didn't really, I, I mean, I had, I had all different types of cars and just like you, obviously, I, I think most of the people listening to this podcast, obviously, we're all gearheads. We're all car guys. We all, you know, from day one, I mean, in my case, it was crazy. My first word, believable or not, before I spoke, before I said mom, dad, or water, it was car. That was the first word that came out of my mouth. So that uh, that kind of gives you, you know, I think we all, you know, uh, you, you, I think, when you're, uh, I think you got me beat then. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, it was it was ter- it was crazy because even and my mom obviously was the one that told me the story, I and mean, I I wouldn't be able to. Most of us can't remember that far back. But um, a crazy story, really funny story, side story. So one of the craziest things I did when I was about three years old, uh, right here in Miami, because uh, we didn't grow up in Miami. We kind of traveled all, all around the world. And we, we were in vacation in Miami, and we were uh, in, my, in my grandma's. It was a 98 Cadillac, uh, a DeVille. And this was right before they actually had introduced uh, uh, Cadillac and obviously in, in Chevrolet GMC, had not re- introduced the, uh, the safety feature. They had to press the brake. To, uh, you know, to engage the, uh, the gears. So th- those cars, I don't know if you remember, they had the gear lever on the side, on the side of the steering wheel. So my mom and my grandma are getting out of the, we're at the airport. They both get out to go get the luggage out of the car. Dude, I crawled over to the car and fucking put that bitch in drive and the car started moving. And both my mom and my grandmother are freaking the fuck out. They don't, 
they didn't, they, they were freaking out so bad. They, they were trying to get the car to stop. They didn't, you know, they didn't think to jump in the car and put it in park. And, um, and it was just crazy. I, 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 what ended up happening, cause I was going towards the traffic. What ended up happening was there, I think there was a, my mom told me there was like a military guy or someone in the military that saw what was going on. They were screaming and stuff and he jumped right in, put it in drive and before she even had the, you know, chance to thank it, he was gone. So it was a funny story. But, um, so Lance, this is what we're going to cover. So, uh, I had asked you about four topics that we were going to cover. And the first one is, uh, the first uh, topic is how the mid-engine platform for the new C8 Corvette is going to change the brand. So I um, wanted your, I wanted your take on what you think as far as what do you think? Well, how, how do you think, you know, the, the, the mid-engine platform is going to change the entire Corvette brand? All right. Well, let me start off with saying this, man. This is huge. Not only is it going to change the brand, but it's going to change the entire car industry as we know it Um, for a ton of reasons. Um, I really don't know where to start, but for one, if we're let's just start with like the brand as a Corvette. This has always kind of been in, in the DNA and the back history and the backstory of a Corvette. It's always been right. something that Zora kind of wanted. Right. Um, so it's, it's just now, it's now in 2019 is just now becoming a reality. Um, that's awesome. I, that's awesome. You mentioned that, Lance, because that's one of the first things I was going to cover. So you kind of beat me to it. So that's awesome that you said, uh, you mentioned Zora. That's, yeah, that's, it's been his dream for 50 plus years. Yeah, it's almost like, um, you know, it's almost like when you're thinking, like when you close your eyes or if you watch a movie about the future and you try to imagine what the world's going to be like, it's like, right. this is it, like here. Um, it's also, it's, it's fulfilling a demand. Um, some people are, you know, excited about it. Some people are now so used to the Corvette, you know, format and the model of how it is and they feel it's perfect, which I, I mean, it, it damn near right now, the C7. I mean, I, I, you know, I have a C7 and, and that, that car is, I mean, in every way, it almost feels like this, that you can't get better. I mean, right. when, when you're driving, um, whether it's a Corvette or a Z06 or a Z06, Z06 with the Z07 package, um, it, it's just like, it's like a perfect car and you just can't imagine it getting better. So to see it's not, it's, it's not here available. Like you can't go to the dealership and buy it. That's another issue because pretty much the first production year sold out. And that's another thing is that that's never happened with a car. I mean, right. you'll have a rare car debut, like a Bugatti, and they're like, oh, it's only going to be like 50 made and like the world's richest people buy them up and they're sold out. But we're talking about a mass produced car right. that's pretty much sold out for the whole year. And now we're going into the 2021 waiting list to try to get a car. That's like... Right. That's like you trying to go get a Toyota Corolla and you're like, oh, it's sold out. You got to wait yeah, exactly. years. Like, <laughs> you know, so that's a little mind boggling. Yeah, that's, um, a, that's, a, that's a really good point. Um, that, that's actually, uh, again, awesome you bring that up. That, that's one of the other things that I was going to also talk about was, you know, and just, just kind of sidetrack real quick, just for people that might not know who Zora, I'm going to kind of just go a little brief history. So Zora Arcus Donatov. Uh, that was born in 1909 and uh, died in 1996. He was, he's been quoted as the father of the Corvette. And one of the things that he as an engineer always wanted to see the Corvette brand build a car 
that obviously, and he, he did, there was a couple of concept models. You could look it up. If you just Google Zora mid-engine Corvette, you'll find, you know, uh, you, anybody could look it up. You could find the, the different models that they were thinking about. And he was a visionary. He could, like you said, he, it's like, it's very difficult to try to close your eyes and, or, or try to, you know, mentally picture what the world's going to be in 40, 50 years from now. It's a very difficult thing to do that. So him as an engineer and as a visionary, he was able to envision and go, Hey, wait a minute. You know, the Corvette, yes, it's a badass car. It's an amazing car. You know, it, it's one of uh, GMC's obviously most proud cars that they've ever built, obviously, you know, for the entire high performance industry of, of, uh, uh, you know, people in the industry. And, um, it, it stands for something. It's always stood for American ingenuity. Unfortunately, as we all know, you know, it took, it took a while. I mean, obviously, it met its purpose, you know, with the Stingray. One of my favorite all-time Corvettes, obviously, is the split-window Stingray. But the problem was is that it did what it was what it was meant to do, which was go in a straight line very well. But everything else was kind of out the window. And it took, like you kind of mentioned, it took, I would say that the C6 was the engineering mark, uh, I'd say the engineering uh, point in which, Chevy finally started saying, okay, we gotta, you know, we gotta start thinking about the Corvette brand and the Corvette as a car that obviously, because it was always meant to compete with its European rivals and give you more bang for your buck. That was literally the, the concept of the car. It was like. Well, that's, that's another thing is that, I mean, as is up until this point, I mean, the Corvette, I don't care who you are. It, the, the Corvette, I wasn't even a huge Corvette fan until I got my C7 Z06. I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really big on them. It wasn't the car I really looked for, but even, even at that point, the car was undeniable. I couldn't be like, oh, it's a piece of shit. Like, you right. can never say that. Like, I don't care if you're into domestic, foreign trucks. Like, a Corvette is a Corvette. It demands respect no matter who you are. And right. even before I had mine, So even before it being mid-engine, right, it was still an amazing car. So that's why I feel like they weren't prompted for decades to to do it. But right. one of the points they made, and which I could see, is with with the ZR1 that they have now, and with the C7 Z06, especially with the Z07 package being right. 650 horsepower. When I drive the thing, it's it's mind blowing. I mean, it almost feels like. If you were to like blindfold me and I didn't know what car I was in, just because I know cars probably, but you could fool somebody and be like, yeah, you're in a Lamborghini, you know? Right. With, with the well, power, no, more. With the sound, more. You know? it, 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 yeah, it, it's, um, I mean, like I said, the C, so the C6, when the C6 came about, it finally took that, cause I, I and just to give you a little history of a, a couple of cars that I've owned, um, since you said your first Corvette was a C7. So I had a C5. Um, I didn't have a Z06. It was a regular base model. This is when I was like nine. I was just, it was right after the saline. I, I, I actually got a C5 Corvette. And it was, um, actually, no, I'm sorry. I got a Corvette before the saline. Sorry about that. And the Corvette, the, the, the base model, even the base model was manual, obviously. And it was, it was a, it was a good car. It wasn't, you know, the interior was, you know, it was up to par, I'd say, to the standards that were going on at that time. But obviously, if you compare it to anything European, it was just, you know, the interior design was not the best thing in the world. Now, was it better than a Mustang, like the Mustang that you had, because the one that I had? For sure, without a doubt. The one thing that I hated about the Mustang, man, 
And that's one of the things that they've always had it to, they always needed to, to, to change and, and to really try to break through and, and make something new or, or make something better was the, their interiors. Their interiors were a fucking piece of shit. Like, well, especially the, the Corvette C706 that I have now, I mean, I, I'm in love with it. I mean, it, it feels like when you, it feels like it's, I don't even know what it is because it's an American made car, but it feels like it could be imported, but you know, it's right. not. So right. it's almost like, for me, man, a Corvette, like, now that I'm, now that I, I, I had owned one and I'm in it and everything, it's like, it's almost like, no, I'm not going to say almost, it's a, it's a car, it's a class all on its own. Uh, yeah. and when you're talking about design, um, performance, and then, then it comes down to the price. I mean, if you get a fully loaded one now, you, I mean, you could be looking at 110, $120,000, but that's right. still comparable or cheaper. Than something else that you could get for that price. So right. and now with this now with the C8 mid-engine one, um, you know, some people are like, well, the, I don't like the design because of this, and I like the design because of that. Um, and when I was thinking about them coming out with the C, I'm like, man, they, they got their work cut out for them because yeah. this C7 now, especially the Z06 models, I mean, like I was like, where are they gonna go with this? You know? Yeah. Almost like it's almost like you're messing with perfection, you know? Yeah. It, so, it, well, and as much as I love the C8 and the C7, um, you know, how I felt it was perfect. I liked the change and it just, nothing compares to the, to the engine being in the back. I mean, it changes everything. I, it, you hear the motor, you hear it, you feel it. The, the drive is different. Um, it's inevitably as much as they want to keep the Corvette shape, it's going to have to shift it somehow, you know? And I'm all for that because, you know, at the end of the day, I know we're all car people, but take somebody that's not really a car person. You don't need to be a car person to know that a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a McLaren or anything out there, you don't have to be a car person to know that that car, there's something special about that car. There's right. something that demands respect about that car. People, Some people just point. They just point at the car. Like if, if when I was driving a, a Lamborghini or whatever it is, people point. Some people right. know, some people don't, but it's, yeah, it's everything just a, about you know? The shape itself, by itself, of a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, um, you know, Audi R8, uh, it's just there. That's what that you know, it's that supercar category, and I think that's what Chevy wanted to do. They're like, okay, we. It's funny because the C7 Corvette, the C6, all of the Corvettes before the C8, what they were, it, it was a car that finally gave you. It started again. It started with the C6 Z06, where they really, really wanted to fucking just you know give you. In my opinion, the C6 and the C7. Are, but the C7 not yet because it's not as it, it hasn't come down in price that much. It did actually because it, it, as always they were always 100 grand when they first come out, and then within a couple six months, eight months, almost to a year, they come they drop that back down to that 60, 70 thousand dollar range. You can get now a fucking five thousand, couple thousand miles C706 for seventy something thousand. Fucking amazing. And you're talking about a car that will pretty much, I mean, depending on what supercar you put it next to, but. You can't, it's hard to put it next to any of those supercars because of the price range. It's like anything you put it next to, it doesn't really matter, even if that car beats it, let's say like a 720S McLaren, which can give it a, it's gonna, it's gonna beat it, but, but not by that much. And you're talking about a hundred, sometimes $150,000 difference. Now we're, now let's, let's go, let's like kind of like go into like next year when, uh, the 20, hopefully, I wouldn't say readily available, but, You'll see Polly, you'll see them on the road here and there and, and they'll be somewhat obtainable by next year. So let's just say we're into, we're talking about the C8 now. Now, if you're going to line right. them up, 
if you're going to line them up with the other 2020 models of, let's leave an Aventador out of it because it's just like a half million. It's yeah, just, that's a $450,000 price. Really yeah, I mean, you could even throw the Aventador in there and other Ferraris and McLarens. Now you line up, let, let's, say, let's say you're wherever. Let's say you're at Cars and Coffee, you're at the track, and you have the CA out there with a McLaren and the Audi R8 and Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And now they're, it's, it's, they're all comparable with looks, with performance. Right. They all have five, six, seven hundred horsepower. They're all in the, they're all up there. The looks are up there. The cost is up there. Um, when I say cost, I mean like tires and stuff. Like when I had to get tires, it's the same price as a Lamborghini for the tires, right. you know? But, right, right. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I, I like the fact that you also mentioned about, uh, the interior. Now, I, I want to kind of, let's shift, uh, shift gears here. So, the interior to me, I, I gotta say one thing. So, I like the fact that the C7, because the C6, it's funny how you could literally see the C6, C7, and C8 now, and you can compare them all interior-wise. And you see yeah, the so molding, you see the evolution yeah. of, you know, that whole, the, the driver, uh, the driver centered portion of it, the fact that it's driver oriented, and it's funny because one of my favorite cars, one of my favorite Japs, Japspec cars of all time, is obviously the Toyota Super, the, 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 um, the Mark IV. And that's something that came from the 90s. Like you had cars, cause, you know, five I'd say of the most amazing Japspec cars ever made were obviously the, the Mark IV Supra, the NSX, the R7, uh, I'm trying to think what else. The, uh, oh, the R34 Skyline, obviously. Uh, Godzilla. And then, um, there's a, one more car that I'm missing. Let, let's say the Evo, let's say the Evo 6, the Evo, yeah, around Evo 6. Uh, or even like an STI of the time. And those cars, uh, those four cars that I mentioned, they, especially the Supra, had that cockpit, you know, which, 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 what Corvette literally has branded the interior as a stealth, you know, set fighter, excuse me, uh, Fighter jet airplane cockpit uh, design. I like it. I think I think it looks amazing on the C7 on your car on the C7. I think it's perfection. On the C8, I don't know how I feel. I I, I don't. I'm gonna tell you straight up. I do not like that fucking thing that looks like a giant iPad, uh, like a fucking mini iPad sticking out of the dash, out of the side of the con- out of the side of the gauge cluster. Well, that's I, what I, I, that's what I was saying about five minutes ago. Looking at the C7, um, Z06 model. Mm-hmm. I should say. I look at the car and it's like the car is perfection. Yeah. So when we started talking about the C8, I'm like, man, they're, they're, they're going to be messing with perfection here. It's going to be, right. they got to, it's like, I almost felt like if you have something perfect and you go to add something, like you could ruin it by adding it. Right. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about certain aspects of the C8. Um, like the wheels for one. Um, there's certain things about the interior I don't like, you know, um, let's go over that. What, what, what don't you like about the interior on the C8? Um, like that, like that iPad looking thing. It looks like there's an iPad stuck in the middle of the dashboard. Exactly. And the the placement of the buttons coming down. Yes. And I, number and I, number two on my, on my on my list as well, man. The first picture that I saw the interior, I just saw that line of all the buttons, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? That just looks. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, I feel like in the coming years they might switch that because yeah. a, a lot of people say that. Um. Uh, it's that the iPad screen, like in the middle, like on the right. C7, the screen's in a perfect place, and it actually right. drops up and it drops back down. Yeah, and it drops down. That's the fucking coolest thing. That is seriously, whoever invented that, whoever was the designer behind that idea, and decided they're like, hey, listen, let's do something. Let's put a screen, 
And then when you press this, you know, this button, you could actually put the screen down and put your glasses or put your fucking, put whatever the hell you want there. Put your stash, stash of cash. That was one of the best. When I saw that, I'm like, holy shit. Whoever came up with the idea is fuck. Give him a goddamn brace right now. Like that guy knew what he was doing. You know, that yeah, team, whoever came up with that idea. For me to see 706 is perfect in every way for me as a person. I mean, uh, I don't like me personally. I, I love the hard top that you could clip it off, remove it sure. and put it in. Um, I love how it looks. I, I don't drive the car unless I can take the top off. Right. If I have to yeah. put it on because it's raining, I will. But I love how it looks with the top clipped off. I don't right. like the convertibles, but I understand, especially for, um, you know, the older guys that don't right. want to deal with that stuff. And right. the Corvette, a lot of Corvettes do cater. It's a larger percentage of older males that drive the Corvette. I 100% get it. But for me, hard top, target, clip off, whatever you want to call it. Um, the C7 Z06 is perfect in every way. The interior, I mean, there's nothing they really could have done with that car. Some people say they don't like the back of it. I love the back of it. So now yeah. we look at, so now when I look at that and we go to the C8, there's honestly things that I don't like about the C8, but I do feel that in a weird way, the C8 is a better car overall. Um, I just don't like the wheels. I don't like, like, I kind of don't like the steering wheel. I don't like the buttons, but I do like the seats. I do like a lot of other things about it, like the dash. And I, I do overall like the body, but I've been right. seeing mock-ups of the Z06 version of the C8. Yeah, and it just makes the ridiculous. scoop on that side. It makes right. the scoop way more aggressive. There's extra right. vents in the fender. So, right. um, but the yeah, same it, thing with C7. I mean, the C7 looks awesome until a C7 Z06. Yeah. <laughs> When a Z06 pulls up uh, next to the C7, that's when you know uh, that that's when you can really see the differences. Obviously, in the white body and it just makes like a mangus difference on when you're looking at it, and and obviously performance what it could do. But um, okay, well that's, that's C07 Z06 is perfect to me in every way, and right. you know it's like I said, there's things I don't like about the C8, but I, I like the C8 so much that I'm willing to overlook that stuff and. Right. The rims, the rims could be changed. You can't really change. Yeah, that's bullshit though. Wheels are yeah. bullshit. You know, any anything you could modify easily is not really a problem, right? Hey, are you, are you still there? Oh yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah, that's like me nitpicking at this point. Like the right. wheels and exactly right. I don't like. Um. Right. Oh, another thing with the C8, I don't like that little baby spoiler that they're putting on there. I think the car looks way better I, without I, a spoiler. I like, totally. I like how stupid it is without it. Totally agree with you as well. I think that that spoiler, obviously it doesn't need that much of a spoiler though, because the aerodynamic, obviously the aerodynamic drag that the car has right now, it really doesn't need a gigantic one, but I agree with you. It doesn't, it looks like, uh, what the hell's going on here? You fucking put, well, what is it? But believe it or not, that little spoiler, the one that comes on the ZT1 package, it provides 400 pounds of, um, of downforce. So that's, it, it's more than enough to do what it needs to do, but yes, aesthetically, appearance wise, I think it looks weak. It doesn't look, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't match. It just, it, it literally looks like someone just fucking put it on the, like a little stick, just put it in the back and oh, here you go. It looks like, um, it looks like a, a spoiler. It's horrible. Right. Um, for me personally, um, when it comes to the C8, I mean, it's really, it's, I'm, I love the car. I love the design. Um, and it's hard to think that, you know, it could be, even better, but it was like that with the C7, and then they came out exactly. with the Z06 and the ZR1, and it kind of exactly. just changes the whole look of it on top of that, you know? Exactly. Other than that, I mean, I, I, I like the car. I like how it looks. 
Well, I'll say this. So uh, just before we move into the second thing that we were going to cover, um, two things I wanted to mention. So just going back to what I was saying about the C6. So when the C6 was coming about, and that was actually some, it's funny because when the C6 was the engineer, the, the team of engineers that they that, that built that car, they really knew what the hell they were doing. They really, you know, went all out trying to make one of the best cars that they ever had ever made. You know, they really put a lot of effort into it. And engineering-wise, uh, everything-wise, you know, design-wise. Um, and one of the things that, that a lot of people were, were like, like, from what you mentioned, was the target top. They eliminated the target top. You can, go, you can only get it on the, uh, on the Grand Sport. And so, um, actually, wait a minute. Am I smoking crack here? The Grand Sport? No, 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 I'm sorry. All C6s had the hard top, um, and there was a, it was for a reason. So the reason they did that was to cut down the weight. Remember, the C606 weighed 3,000 pounds. Now that's, that's that sweet spot. You know, anything less than that, you're really talking about a fucking light car compared to cars today, you know, newer cars. 3,000 pounds was like, holy shit, it was magic. Was like, fuck, 3,000 pounds, that's awesome. Because with 500, even 550 horsepower, 600 horsepower, 3,000 pound car, it will, without a doubt, I mean, it'll run a fucking 10 all day long. No problems. I mean, just fucking, you know, you know, granny shifting and not even trying to run a 10, easy, because of the weight. So what, one of the things that I didn't like well, that they did, it's funny because it's, it's a mix of, of, of not liking and liking. I used to love the target top, just like a lot of people. I used to love the target top that you could take. And then on the C5, I had it. You just drop it in the back. You know, you, you, you had that special place that had the uh, lock that so you could put it in. You lift up the hatch, and there you go. Now you got you got a fucking, you know, and it looks amazing with the target top off. And yeah, and, I, and, and I'm, you're in Miami. I'm in West Palm. I mean, we're in Florida. I mean, that's the only way to roll. Sure. I mean, that's the only way to roll. That's the only way sure. to roll. That's it. Yeah, you gotta, you know, it's just, it, it, it changes the entire experience of when you're driving as well. You hear the car more, you hear the outside, you know, you're in the environment now. You're not just like, it changes, you know. it changes the look of the car. It changes right. the feel of the car. It, it's, it, it makes it almost feel like it's a whole different car. For sure. But the problem was, is that when they did that, they now added, and there was a lot of, obviously, when they did the chassis, the chassis stiffening that they did, because they had to add that to bring the target top back, they added almost 500 pounds to the car. The C7 the C706 weighs 35, uh, I don't want to quote me on the exact amount, but I know it's 3,500 plus. So. I, I get it, that. So. I know it's 500 pounds more, but <laughs> me personally, I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me because like, they're just hardcore gearheads, but I, I'll take the 500 pounds for the target top. Well, and I, well, that was, that was the reason, but see, that was one of the reasons obviously they had to bring up the power. So they, they kind of evened it out, but I've personally been in the C6. Okay, with both on a C six Z six with both on, and a C seven um, a C seven Z six bone stop. And dude, we it, it wasn't just a beating; it was a fucking it was a fortified car pull. So you could really it, it was a horrible. I mean, like well, it, it, when they talk about when they talk about adding power because they had to add weight, some people were just like, "Well, you could have added the power and I added the weight, and I would have had a faster car." And I get that, but I mean. Um, a little off topic here. The Supras, the Toyota Supras, the hard tops go for the most money. If you yep. have the twin turbo hard top Supra, right. uh, five speed or six speed, I think it's six speed it came with, those go, those go for the most money. The target tops are less desirable. I'm right. one of those persons that'll take the target top all day. Right. Yeah, it's, it, what, what they, what I think, again, they brought something back. They brought, they're trying to every single time they remake, you know, the body, they, they obviously have to go through the life cycle of the car, and, you know, it's been eight or 
usually it's eight between, you know, decades, eight to nine years. Sometimes it goes into seven years, but usually it's eight to nine years. They decide, okay, this is what we're going to do. Now, as far as the look of the car, the way that they designed the C7 was fucking awesome. I'll tell you this. When I saw the C8, I don't like one thing, and I'm going to tell you what it is. And I know what, what, what the problem with not doing this is, but I still kind of disagree with what they did. Going back to Zora, I really thought that what they were going to do was name this car the Zora, the Chevy, the, the, not the Corvette, the Chevy Zora. And that's what it should have been branded at. And I understand why they didn't do it. I understand why they couldn't pay homage to the guy who came up with the fucking idea. But it pisses me off because, and obviously they didn't do it because the Corvette is a multi-multi-million dollar brand. It, 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 I mean, it's a world name brand. So that's why they decided, hey, let's, let's change the car to a mid-engine platform. And we're still going to keep the same Corvette even the same Corvette name, even the Stingray. They're, they're keeping the Stingray name. In my opinion, what they should have done, and I think a lot of people will agree, uh, such as yourself, is that they should have, they could have dated the Corvette, but not said Stingray. They could have just said Corvette Zora. At least give some credit, you know, give some credit. And I think that on Chevy's side, well, that was, and, I don't know. And, you know, in a, in a rebuttal to what you're saying, a few things. Number one, I don't think that the C8 should have been labeled a Stingray. And here's why. Because everybody knows the C4 as a Stingray because it looks like a goddamn Stingray that swims in the ocean. So that makes the most sense. Um, And then when they did the C7, they did a really good job modernizing the C4 into something out of this world. Similar to what Dodge did with the Challenger. They did an amazing job retroing the car, but changing it. But when you look at it, you think exactly of the old school car, unlike the Dodge Charger that looks nothing like the old Charger. Exactly. You know, no, so I do not think that the C8 should have been labeled a Stingray because it looks nothing like the Stingray. Right. It looks like it looks like uh, a Lamborghini and a Ferrari and a McLaren had an orgy, man. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what right. it looks like. It looks nothing like the C8, but yep. um, they do kind of pay homage and respect to Zora. By calling the Z06 models and the ZR1 and throwing the Z in there. And they still have a chance to redeem themselves. Cause I think that would be cool if they came out with a Corvette called Corvette Zora and just have it like a, and they have a chance by doing that by, let's say they have the C8 and then they have the C8 Z06 and then they drop the ZR1 version or another version and right. they just call it the Zora. So they still right. have a chance to do that. They, they still have and a chance. And that a lot of people, that's right. A lot of people have been saying that. And hopefully we'll see it maybe on the zero one. The, another thing that we talk about, uh, what I wanted to kind of cover real quick on the zero one, uh, model of the C7. Um, I think that they have lost their, I mean, they haven't lost anything. I know what they're doing. They're just trying to maximize their platform. And that's fine. But I completely disagree with, the ZR, the C7 ZR1, I think it's a complete fucking waste of money. And anybody that disagrees, I'm sorry, you just don't know your facts. If you want to buy a limited edition C7 ZR1 to say that you have a ZR1, you paid $140,000 for it. That's what they're going to the dealerships. You might be able to find one for $125,000. Let me, let me cut you off right there. That's, okay, I, tell. I agree with you 1000%. I tell yeah. everybody that I, they talk about this and that is C7 ZR6 ZR1. The C7, now let me, let me go, uh. There's no point. It's the same car. The Z06 and the Z01 are exactly what they do. Add an aero package and a little, what, 100 horsepower? I'm gonna pay fucking 
$80,000 for that? $70,000? What they're doing, they're bamboozling that one person that has the money to blow that kind of sure. doesn't care, wants that, I guess, status or whatever. Um, yeah. I think maybe, I think maybe if I had, like, let's say if I hit the Powerball and I had a collection of cars, I might get it for shits and hey. giggles. Yeah, just to say you have one, right? Just to say you have a zero one. Oh, I don't, I don't only have a zero six, but I got a zero one as well. Yeah, and I, you're gonna have enough. And there is, there, there is people I've seen on YouTube and stuff that they have a zero six and a zero one. Sure, so I mean, right. it just depends. Me personally, um, I wouldn't say for my situation, but for my opinion, I'm gonna base my arguments off of base sticker prices. So I, I, you know. I'm not 100% accurate, but I feel like the C7 Stingray was about 55000 And then the right. Z06 started at like 79000 And right. then the Z01 starts at like 130 ish And then depending on this and the options and all that. So from the Z06, so here's my point. From the Z06 to the Z01, you're looking at 80. You're looking at 90, 100, 110. You're looking at like 40. To $45,000 more on average for right. 100 horsepower more and a flared out bumper and right. a sticker that's the ZR1 when you can simply buy a Z06, save your $40,000 and get a pulley in a tune and you'll have that's just right. as much power. Exactly. And there's just, yeah. So that's, um, that's something I wanted to, and, and what, what makes me mad is if we go back to the C6, see the ZR1 and the Z06 were always different. They were different Corvettes. And there was a big difference why you wanted to pay that ridiculous amount of price tag is because you were going to get stuff that you could never get on the Z06. On the C7, they changed that completely. So what I'm hoping, why we're talking about this, what I'm hoping, and I hope that Chevrolet could really, you know, redeem themselves on this, what I hope is this. Because this is what I was hoping for the C7 when it first came out. With the success, with the success of the C6 being a 427 and the ZR1, Starting to implement what we now see as the norm of the C7 because of the supercharged LS2, excuse me, a supercharged LSA, the LSA motor, which is a 6.2 liter, uh, uh, you know, same same supercharged motor as the Z06, the C7 Z06 is in was in the in the C6 uh, one So what they should do, and I really fucking hope they fucking do it already because they need to bring back the 427, is the Z06. The C8 Z06, what I'm hoping for, which I know I'm probably not going to get my dream, my, what I want, but what I think a lot of people are hoping for is that they bring back the 427 and fucking twin turbo that bitch. If no, they're not. Business, they're I know, not, I know they're not going to do it. I know they're not going to do it. It's confirmed for a flat, a flat plane crank. I know, flat plane crank, and that's all they're doing. But what I'm saying is, is that's what they, they should have pushed that. So hopefully, maybe what's going to happen, since they, we didn't get it for the Z06, or not going to get it for the Z06, Maybe for the ZR1, they will finally go back to their roots and make the distinction and go, okay, the, Z, the C6 is going to be the flat plane crank. Obviously, it's going to be on boost. We know it's going to be a twin turbo setup. Um, hopefully, for the ZR1, we'll get something really special where they bring back the fucking 427, blow that motherfucker, you know, twin turbo that bitch, and fucking push a thousand horsepower. Because that's where they're going. That's two, the only place they can go. Two things before we go off topic and... Before I forget, because we're talking on a lot of things. Oh. Um, one is that there was rumors that they were going to keep the C7 and produce the C8 side by side. So, like for the next like two or three years, you can still buy a C7 and right. still buy a C8. And I, I thought that was a great idea. And I guess that was just rumors or considered, but that's definitely something they're not doing. But I feel they should have done that. 
Um, yeah. especially especially now with the C8 not being available, but I think they figure what's the point if we're gonna have this car, why even keep the old car? Right. You know. Um, and and the, and the amount of and and what what the C8 what are the a lot of people that are mad about? I think a lot of people are mad. Obviously, a lot of C7 owners like you, I think, are mad. Obviously, not that they're going out there to want you know that they're thinking about so much of of, of appreciation or depreciation. But what I think a lot of C7 uh, owners are pissed off about is the fact that the C8 has literally, like, fucking um, floored the price, and it's still dropping. Like, I mean, it, it's really going to yeah, come... I'm glad you brought that up, because you're 100% right, and I'm, this is something else I was going to say. I think you read my mind. Um, You're 100% correct. The C8 introduction and 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 it being in production and now going to go on sale and it being sold out and all this stuff yeah i mean it has hurt the value to c8 for two reasons one is that that happens to every year making a model of every vehicle and every car um you mean the value even, of the c7 yeah even if well no well even if you talk about a honda a, a honda accord i mean Two years, two years down the road, your Honda Accord is gonna, you'll be lucky it's worth half. So it's, it's almost normal. Like there's nothing different. The only difference is that Corvettes are enthusiasts. So right. not only do you have the depreciation of time and miles inevitably, um, but now you have the enthusiasts on top of that that are not even going to look at that and now their attention's on the C8. So it hurts it even more. Than normal cars do. Right. So, like, if I were to go buy, like I said, if I were to go buy a Honda Accord today, in two years, it probably if I were to buy, let's say, for twenty five thousand, I'd be lucky if I could sell it for twelve or thirteen, even with low miles. I'd be lucky, be you know. Right. Um, right. but yeah, because we're enthusiasts and we're looking at that, people are almost treating the C seven like it's yesterday's news, like 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 it's like it's underwears that you know that we wore to the gym and they're in the laundry now, you know. Um, yeah, but a lot of with that being said, I'm very in tune to a lot of things, and I'm a businessman. So I knew that the C7, I mean, I knew that the C8 mid-engine was coming out. We all knew it was coming out for a while. We just didn't have concrete photos or evidence, or, but we all knew it was coming out. So right. when I bought my C7, I kept that in mind. So keep in mind, my C7, brand new from the dealership, with tax everything out the door with the D07 package, competition seats, the arrow kit and everything was about $125,000. I had right. every carbon fiber option, had the carbon ceramic brakes, had every imaginable option you can, that you can think of right. was $125 out the door. Now, with that being said, I was not the first owner. I was the second owner. I bought the car a year and a half later. You will not believe for how much. Yeah, 70 grand. Huh? Seventy grand, right? I bought it for seventy-five thousand. There you go. Out to, <laughs> so that's near a forty percent drop. And yeah. you know, people—I don't—I don't know why people are so surprised at that. You're not because you pretty much guessed it. But people are surprised at that. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, no, been, it, like it, it, it's been like that. It's been like that since day one. Everything—that's how it's always been. People buy uh, uh, an S-Class AMG Mercedes for one hundred and thirty forty. Even you think, more. You really think you're going to get a penny over $70,000, 12 months down the road. And if you do, I don't know what world you're living in. And yeah. the people that do buy cars like that have some kind of knowledge on how money is. If you're buying a car for over 100000 
you've gotten to the point where you can spend a hundred grand. You kind of know how business and money work. So, right. I mean, right. I don't know why people are so surprised at that, you know, but no, I, I, um, I, I, think, I think people that are surprised, I think just don't, I, I, I don't think too many people are surprised. I just think that, that what, what I, what, what I was mentioning, what is that it, it, it's a shame that the C8 in doing, in, in moving forward, right, and becoming something brand new, it, it puts this, unfortunately, it's kind of hindering the C7 into this, like what you said, it's like, oh, it's, it's old news, it's the old, oh, C7, that's fucking old, that's the old car, who gives a shit about it? For a perfect example, this is, and this is a 100% real life example that can't be argued because I'm an individual living on this planet with my money that is going to go into the market for a car. So it can't be argued because I'm one person. There could be one person like me. There could be a thousand people like me, but I'm right. one person. I might have a small effect, but I was looking at Lamborghini Huracans. I've been saving for a while. I was looking at it and I'm like, yo, I want to get a Huracan. I'm just waiting on it to drop from 250,000, a quarter million, somewhere closer to the hundred thousand dollar range, like maybe like right. 120, 130. And it'd be, that'd be amazing to have a Huracan at that price. Almost like with the Golardos. The Golardos were a quarter million. Right. Now you could up for 60, 70, 80, you know? Right. And that's, okay. I, that was, I, better. You, you just, but, uh, you, sorry, Lance, uh, I don't want to interrupt you. You just connected the next thing I wanted to go over because that was one of the things that caught my attention when I first saw your comment. I'm like, oh, what do you guys think? C8 or Lamborghini Hurricane? And that's fantastic. You just kind of, you know, I was just going to switch you. We're going to switch gears again. You kind of just beat me to it. So, yeah, so, you, so, so you let me ask me you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not looking at to get a Huracan for a quarter million. I'm okay. looking to get one for one twenty, one thirty. You know, half the price, respectively. Okay. But with the introduction of the C8, that rocks everything. Now my attention is off the Huracan, and now it's on the C8 because I'm getting something that's in the same category with performance and looks and everything for for what, like like a third of the price third or something price. like. Third of the price. So not. But are, are you settled on that? Are you are you for sure hundred and twenty percent, or you still want to drive the car? You still want to see? Okay, let me see how it actually drives because I think that's a big big thing that you should do before you make the, this choice. Yeah, that's I'll why I haven't, that's why I haven't gone to the dealership and put my money okay. down and gave them the ten grand over because I really really don't know what it looks like in person. Right. I, I mean, from what I see, from what I hear, I mean, it looks like a dream car for the dream price, and it looks like sure. it's, it's again undeniable, but. I, I'm the type of person, I hate shopping online, I don't like the Amazon shit, I like going to the mall, I like going to the store, I like seeing right. what I'm getting in person, I like trying it on. That's just I'm, the, I'm the same exact way. And with a car, it, it doesn't matter how, it, you could watch a fucking video in virtual reality, guess what? You still gotta go see the car in person. It, it, that'll never change, that will never change. There's a big difference between seeing something in person, especially a car, and how it drives, and how you feel, how you feel about it. That's a big thing. There's a big difference when you see something in a picture, or again, virtual, you know, virtual, wearing a virtual reality uh, headset. 100%, 100% correct. So, so with me, with the Huracan to the C8, I can imagine there's got to be people from the C7 to the C8 in the same way. And that's right. why I said at the beginning of this podcast that not only is this going to change the Corvette brand, but right. it's going to change our industry. Because I may be one person out of a million, but I'm still 0.1% uh, yeah, that's yeah. going to yeah, you're, you're a percentage, right? You're, you're a customer base of a percentage of, of people that are going to make that choice. Let me ask you another question. Um, have you, what, you were looking at a regular Hurricane or the Evo? Because the Evo is the one you're talking about. It's quarter, it's uh, 200. I'm looking at, I'm looking at like 
like like like one of like one of the first years and I don't want to I don't want to spend I, you know I, I just don't want to spend that kind of money on a car you okay. know two fifty three hundred I just don't want to if I could no no but you could I, I mean you can get you could find one with about let's say less than ten thousand miles for the first generation was 2015, 2016. you can get them for around that price you can get close to that one I mean I I could probably find you one for about let's say the cheapest Huracan that I've seen. Huh? This is a clean title. I'm not talking about a Savage or... No, 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 no. The, clean title, not, not a fucking record. The cheapest clean title Huracan that I've seen was around 145, but okay. it had 50, like, to 60,000 miles. And for right. a Huracan, that's a lot of miles. Because Lamborghinis yeah. are generally a low-mile car. Right. And that's another thing is every car that I have, I rack the miles up on it. I had a, a, a 442 classic car. I drove the car to Orlando, to Tampa. I, I do things with cars that people shouldn't, you know? Like, I get no, in there no, no. actually... Fuck that. Yeah. No, you did what the... No, you did exactly what you're supposed to do. If you buy a fucking car, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a 1967 Shelby GT500 or a fucking Lam or a fucking Pagani Huayra. If you buy a car, either of those, I don't care who you are, and you don't drive it, you know what? Sell the fucking car because there's no point in buying any of those... There's no, there's no point in buying a car, especially a performance car. That's meant to be driven. That's what it was designed for, and not drive it. That's fucking stupid. I, yeah, I, those, I put a ton of miles on my car, man. I, that's I, fucking I, awesome. That's fucking awesome. Car. If you have the look, if you obviously if you're, if you're in a different category where you're gonna buy a car and you're thinking about well the maintenance and this and that, you know what? You shouldn't buy the car. You shouldn't well, buy the car. I, I do. Every time I get in the car, I am torn. Cause I'm like, man, I'm, I'm depreciating it. I'm, I'm going to have to, no. I'm going to be really into maintenance issues. So like, I do get it, but I still can't help myself. So I understand people that want to keep in the garage, but I, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I can't do it. Uh, I, I find it, excuses to drive my car. Oh, it's happy hour. Exactly. I'm driving the car. To <laughs> you you know? can't, if you're, you're not a real car guy. I don't consider anybody who buys a car and doesn't want, is afraid to drive it. Oh my, no. Then you know what? That's just, you're a different type of person. You're a different thing. You're not a real car guy. A real car guy does exactly what you do. You know, you, you'll find excuses to get out and just drive the car. So Yeah, at the end of the day, as much as I love cars, you know, I'm to the point in my life where a car's a car. I buy it. I'll run the miles up. I'll sell the car when the miles get high for whatever loss I take. And you know what? It's a car. It's 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 a material right. thing. I'll love it, but I'll get over it. And then I get something else. You know, when I was... After my Mustang, I got in a, uh, an Infiniti G35 coupe with my own money when I was uh, 18 years old. And I bought a cash and like I fell in love with the car. And I had the car for six years to the point where it was like really not even worth keeping it. And I, I didn't want to let it go. And it just kept hurting me in the long run. So now I know not to, as much as I love a car, I know I can't get attached to it. And I used to, I used to get too attached. Well, but I think I think on the contrary to that, now since you're more established, you've got your own business. I think now you're more in a position to be able to keep, you know, be able to keep the car and have to worry about it. Hey, I'll have enough to sell it in a couple of years, or you know, and I, wouldn't you say that? But the more expensive a car is, the more expensive right. everything is. The more expensive yeah, yeah, that goes hand in hand. So let me so, let me ask you this: um, as far as Lamborghini, um, so have you have you driven a, have you test driven a Hurricane yet? I, I've drove, I've drove every Lamborghini you can imagine, man. I've drove a Countach, I've drove a Diablo, I drove a Gallardo, a Huracan, an Aventador, a Murcielago. Um, so what I do you think, I, 
the only Lamborghinis that I haven't driven is you know shit like a Reventin or uh or right. a Chen Mario yeah, the, or the, the, the the like those that. are extremely rare cars that you would never be able to touch anything. So I told you, yeah, it's not <laughs> not easy cars to even even talk about, let alone try to get in and drive. So what did you think? Let me ask you this: What did you think of the Hurricane when you test drove it? What did you think of the transmission? What did you think of how it felt as a four wheel drive car that puts almost 70% of its power to the real wheels, because I, I wanted to give you my experience with it, but I wanted to hear what you thought of the car. I, I, I like it. I think it's, I think it's the, honestly, I think it's the first daily drivable uh, Lamborghini to ever be uh, offered. Um, the Gallardo was supposed to be, but the Gallardo well, just has too many issues. Right. Well, the Gallardo, I mean, the Gallardo, that's what it was. It, it, it slowly but surely, year after year, it built, it finally built up, I'd say, within the fourth year of its, of its actual, you know, launch. That's when it finally, you know, with the e-gear, they had some things that they had to work out, some of the electronics, and I, I do agree with what you're saying. The interiors of those cars, man, they would fucking just fall apart. I mean, you would yeah, see dude, one with... I would never... I, I, You know what? Like, there was a Golardo on eBay for, like, 60 grand. It was a yellow one. I got the screenshot of it. Um, It had, had 80,000 miles, and that, that shit scared the hell out of me, because yeah. Lamborghini... I, I, I love Lamborghini. It's my favorite car. My favorite car I've ever driven is an Aventador. If 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 I had Powerball money, I'd probably buy a few Venadors and just drive them without a care. Um, right. to me, there's nothing like that V12 and the Venador yeah. that I was driving had an aftermarket exhaust. There's nothing like the yeah, sound. Like a fucking rocket the transmission every time it shifts, as yeah, I had to power, it like kicks you in the ass, and I love yep. it. You know? Yeah, it's it's pretty sick. Yeah, I I would um I drove an Aventador as well. The first time I drove when it was um going down um going to the beach. Um, I, um, it was crazy. We, I, I had a pretty clear, uh, what's it called? MacArthur Causeway. And I literally from, you know, the beginning of where, uh, when you're going down and you're passing the museum and you get the straightaway. Yep. Dude, I fucking, I, I, and I, there wasn't that many cars and I fucking floored that bitch in second gear. And literally I did 190 on MacArthur Causeway. It was re, it felt like a fucking freight train with 20 billion superchargers and 20 fucking turbos. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it really felt, it was a, it, what it was, it was, cause I've been, I've driven thousand plus horsepower cars. It and it was crazy cause it wasn't. It wasn't even an SV, it wasn't an SVJ. It was just a fucking base model of it at all. And the way that thing pulled. You're talking about the SV now, it's like the, it's like the ZR1. I almost feel like it's a waste of money. I would get, right. um, I mean, if I, if, if I was in that position, I would, um, I would get an Inventador. And if I really liked how the SV looks like it does, um, I mean, I've seen Murcielagos and Inventadors with like, Done up to look like an SUV with the with the body kits, you know. Right. Um, right. and I would get that because it's just, I mean, it's just too much money, man. It really is. It's a lot of money. It, it is a lot of. I would so I again totally agree. I think that four hundred fifty thousand dollars. You're starting to. There's a lot of other. There's a huge list of cars that for that amount of money you can get. But again, it's an Aventador. You know, it is that car. And it's not an easy car to drive either. It's something that you really, I mean, most people who drive that car freak the fuck out when they try to go park it because of how wide it is and how the, the visibility on it is not the best. But it is, you know, it is, it, 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 it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I hate that thing, but it is what it is. It's a, you know, it's their big V12 fucking, you know, car that's been around for 40 plus years. What I liked about the Diaventador that it finally got, um, re-engineered because I don't know if you know this, but the Musielico, believe it or not, the frame on the Musielico was literally still based off the 40, uh, the 40 something year old Puntash frame. I mean, it was not exactly the same frame, but it was still the same platform and they had a lot of similarities and it still didn't drive. It wasn't a driver's car. 
but it did what it did very well. You know, he fucking stomped on that bitch and that, you know, the, the, the 6.5 meter V12 is just fucking thick. Now, what I would say is that the hurricane, I'm going to say one thing. So my experience with the hurricane was fucking awesome. I came from a 458 to a hurricane. And the 458 to me, when it first came out, that was Ferrari finally. I don't want to take too long on this because I know we're kind of stretching it out, but I want to do, I do, I do want to mention this because it has to do with the C8. It has to do with where the C8, how it's going to come into play with all the other exotics. The 458, when it first got announced, was literally Ferrari finally getting their shit together again because for years, man, the 360 was a piece of shit. The 430 was like, eh. I mean, it was, it was kind of getting up to where it kind of should have looked, but it didn't look beautiful. They stopped making beautiful cars. And finally, when the 458 came out, that fucking, I mean, I remember watching Top Gear and Jeremy Clarkson saying literally like, okay, Ferrari has finally made, you know, going back to the roots and making beautiful cars. And that's what it was. That's one of the reasons why all the design cues and all the design aspects that were built into the 458 have literally spread throughout the entire lineup of their cars, including the hypercar, the LaFerrari. So when I drove that car, it was exactly what all the reviews and, you know, I, I watch, uh, I, obviously I watch um, Chris Harris has been, I mean, if you know who Chris Harris is, he's got some, uh, from Autocar. He, now he's actually on Top Gear and he, he's been a automotive journalist his entire life. Basically. He really knows what the fuck he's doing. He, he's on Drive as well. He, I don't know if you watch Drive, uh, the Drive program, but he's the guy that's always drifting every single fucking car on a racetrack and just, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's a fucking driver. Uh, you know, I don't know him, but he sounds like my type of guy. Yeah, he's, he's cool as fuck. He really knows what he's doing. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some of the linked videos. He's, he's driven everything you could think of. When it comes down to the Huracan, um, I mean, it really what it is essentially is, it's, it's an Audi with, uh, it's, a, it it's an Audi, it is. but it looks good. It's a Lamborghini styling. That's it's right. an Audi with Lamborghini styling. I mean, it, it but is. it's exactly like a hood bearing or if you need a part, uh, they just stamp the bull on it and they, yeah, they, they just they, stamp they, the bull. Exactly. Yeah, that's really right. what it is. That's what it comes down to. I will tell you this. Audi buying Lamborghini, I think is the best thing that could have ever happened to Lamborghini because without Audi's engineering backing and history, I don't think that Lamborghini would have survived. I think it took someone like Audi to purchase them to finally get them where they should have been. And I think they've done a fantastic job. I and mean, look where they're at right now, you know? Um, so the Hurricane, the Hurricane, I, I, I'll tell you what my experience with the Hurricane. So I came from a 458 and one and, and after driving the Aventador, and when I jumped in the Hurricane, <clears throat> what they did with the Hurricane is this. They fixed, they basically gave you, I don't like to call it the baby Latin Aventador, that's a stupid term. It is a daily, what I would consider a much more daily car than the Aventador. Not to say that you can't drive a, 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 a Aventador daily, but the Hurricane, I, there was three main things. In, in my experience, um, from what everybody tells me and from what I see, it's pretty much the only exotic um that you can drive around. You know, nothing crazy. Like, you can't put 100 miles down it, but you could drive around town pretty much every day really subtly and right. be able to survive with it, you know? Because everything else, every, you know, you're talking about high-performance cars. They run hotter. They run harder. They inevitably have to go to the shop. You have to get shit replaced and... I mean, it's not it's not like a fifty dollar deal either, man. You could right. you you look at every time that if you have an exotic car, every time you go to the shop, you're at four. You you'll be lucky if your oil changes a few hundred dollars. You'll be looking at four right. figures 
And if you're lucky, if you don't need a clutch, you'll be looking at five-figure repairs. It's, it's really nuts if you think yeah. about it. You know, but yeah, people it, it, they make money and they well, like work. It matches. Look, it matches. It, it sucks that it is that way, but that's just how it is, unfortunately. I mean, there was there's a couple of YouTubers. Uh, there was one YouTuber, Corsa. Another guy's name, something Corsa. He actually had a couple Bugattis. He had a Veyron. He did his own oil change. He made an awesome video. I'm doing my own oil change on a Bugatti. How hard is it? And you know, an oil change on a Bugatti is like fucking ten thousand. I think. It's no, not an oil change, no, excuse me. An oil change is a couple thousand dollars, but the, the tires on the Bugatti are like $20,000. It's ridiculous. But there are certain things that are branded for those cars that are made specifically like some Bugatti. The reason the tires are twenty grand because they could literally fucking go, you know, past 240 miles per hour over uh, 20 seconds. You can't do that with any other tire. They will fucking blow up. They will literally just, you know, you'll have a and blow up. That's, but the that's Hurricane... That's what makes it special, though, because, you know, everything's expensive on them. And, I mean, right. you pay for what you get for it. There's a reason why. All the parts that go into it, I mean, right. it's a reason why. I mean, yeah, there's a little upcharge there. I mean, they could probably, I mean, look what Corvette did with the C8. They're giving us damn near a supercar for 60 grand. So there's right. a little bit of up upcharge there. But, you know, when you start breaking it down, you look at the Italian leather and the suede and Alcazera and, um, you know, right. and, and the tires and the carbon ceramic brakes and some right. of that paint. Use like like that yellow pearl on the Lamborghini, like um, you know, it, 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 I get it, but there is still there's a little upcharge, man, to hitting us for. Oh no, yeah, but it, it it's because you're owning that brand that, that that comes that's just like with everything, everything in fucking in in the industry of of, of what is materialistic uh today. That's everything. Yeah. It's the difference between like, buying a you know smartwatch I mean, from Samsung or buying a fucking Breitling watch. It's gonna cost you forty thousand dollars, and it's obviously it's an electronic smartwatch compared to a you know a timepiece. But I'm just saying. That it's just like everything. It it, 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 but talking about the Aventador, I don't think it's a four hundred fifty thousand dollars car, and I'll t I'm gonna tell you why. And if you gave me the choice right now, if you told me, would you get an Aventador or a fucking Hurricane? I would take a fucking Hurricane, take a fucking underground racing, two thousand horsepower, fuck everybody. Yeah, two thousand horsepower on a daily car. Yeah, being rational, I mean, one hundred percent. It's not even a discussion. It's the Huracan's more practical, more doable, more affordable. It's it, right. and but and then but that goes like I said, like if you're buying a car that's more expensive, everything else is gonna come with it. It's gonna it's gonna right. demand more gas. The insurance right. is gonna be higher. Yeah. Um, sure. if, if, like I won the Powerball and I had 500 million. If I was a billionaire, I'd, I'd be my the Aventador would be my daily driver. I don't give a shit. Yeah. That would exactly, be my at daily. that point. Yeah. When you're at that level. Well, so this is what I was gonna say. So with the Hurricane, there's three things that I didn't like about it. And they're fixable, but there were three things that I really didn't like about it. So the first thing is the seating position. You sit way too high. Now, I know why they did that. I know why. So I'm not saying that they did something wrong. I'm just saying that me personally, if you go from a 458 to a Hurricane, the first thing you notice is the seating position. And it's wrong. It's too high. Now, they did that on purpose. So most people that are buying these cars, that's the thing. Most people that are buying these cars, it's going to give them better visibility. So I understand why they did that. Now, is it, does it, you know, is it a stupid thing? It's not. They did it on purpose. They know the people, they know the market, they know who they're selling to. One of the things that I loved about the car was that it was four-wheel drive, but no way, it's not anywhere near what used to be on the Gallardo. So one of the things I fucking hate about the Gallardo, four-wheel drive, when you drive four-wheel drive for Gallardo, it literally, you might as well fucking drive a piece of wood with fucking four wheels on it. It's just, it literally felt the same. It didn't feel... Couldn't feel the suspension, you couldn't feel the road, you couldn't feel the steering feel at all. There was nothing to feel. It's just you're turning and okay, the car's going in that direction. So what I like they did Gold was I like Golardos back in the day. I don't like them anymore. Well, look, hold on. So 
hear, hear me out. So with the, with the Hurricane, what they did is they fucking threw all that shit out the window, and they made a four-wheel drive car. Now, I, I when I drive these cars, I fucking push the shit out of them. You know, drip the fuck out of them, fucking, you know, what's called Kennedy and flicks everywhere. And I wanted to test, this is how you test out these cars. This is how you take it to the limit of what it's capable of. And with the 458, it was absolutely amazing. The rack on that car, the, the steering rack is so fucking short. It's like a fucking Formula One car. It's amazing. You just breathe on the steering wheel and you just give a tiny little bit of tug and you fucking floor it in a corner and you're sideways. And as long as you can catch it and you know how to counter steer and you know what you're doing, it's fucking perfect. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's like driving, um, cause I'm a huge, uh, I mean, I love BMWs and I've been, you know, I've had E36s, E46s. Um, it really, it's very hard to get that, that type of, um, suspension geometry and Ferrari fucking nailed it. So w- when you go from a 458 to the, the Hurricane, now, the one thing that I love is the 5.2 liter V10. There is nothing like that engine. That fucking thing is, it's just, and when you put it a full, you know, straight pipe exhaust or like a army trick exhaust, it is fucking bliss. It's just V10 fucking symphony. You know, it, it, there's nothing like that engine. It sounds absolutely amazing. Every time you downshift, raw, I just, the way it sounds, it's fucking raw and it's amazing. And the power and the torque that you get out of it is awesome. What I didn't like, I mean, what I did like was the four wheel drive on that car now feels almost, it gets very close to what feeling, um, like a two wheel drive car, a rear wheel drive car, which was amazing. It's a very difficult thing to do that. You know, so, um, when you, when you do, when you try to put the car sideways, it will, you gotta try a little bit harder than the 458 on because it is four wheel drive. But the point is that it's adaptive. When the four wheel drive needs to act like a four wheel drive, it does so. Obviously, it's a quattro system. And then, when you wanna put it sideways, you wanna get fucking sideways, you wanna drift that bitch? If you, if you know how to do it, it will do it. So that was awesome. And the transmission was the number one thing that I fucking loved was Comparing it with an Aventador, the Aventador had one of the most clunky, ridiculous, and I, I, I know why it had to be that way, because it's got a whole fucking, you know, 600 plus horsepower on a daily basis. It's gotta be, it was a single clutch, and that's why I felt the way it did. How clunky, even with the automatic on, which is not something I would ever use, but I wanted to try out the car. So that's one thing that they fixed on the Hurricane, and now that evolution of engineering has obviously gone into all the new Aventadors. So, when you, when I read your comment that you said, should I go with a C8 or a Hurricane? This is what I was going to tell you. And that's why I was waiting to speak to you. So, I would wait. Obviously, you've driven the Hurricane. I would wait till you drive a C8 for you to make your decision. Because there is obviously a price difference. But there's also, there's also the other difference that we talked about. The masses, right? There's going to be a lot of C8. And I'm not saying you don't see a lot of Hurricanes here in Miami. You do see them. But you don't, you're not going to see them as much as obviously a C8. So it depends on what you want to do. If you're going to take the extra cash, right, that you're going to save without buying the Hurricane and putting it into the C8, and you're going to maybe you could get half of that cash that you'd be spending on the Hurricane and turn the C8 into a fucking more badass car than the Hurricane, mm-hmm. for sure. The, 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 the question becomes, what car do you want? What, what car do you want and why do you want that car? So it, it sounds like, and obviously since you have a C6, seven you know it'd be nice to have something a little different than another corvette right but obviously the c8 is a completely different car than the c7 so yeah so i think i think obviously if you drive the car i would wait till you drive the car once you drive it then you can make a decision i think that would be the smartest thing that you could do um so let's shift into the second thing here because we're almost we're, we're going on an hour i told you the time flies by um yeah real, real quick though before we go to that 
the only issue with the price thing is that my I'm looking for a Huracan when they drop in the next year or two, closer to the hundred thousand dollar mark, let's say one twenty, one thirty. Right. I'm still going to be looking at a 2015 Huracan. So it's still good. So now we're talking about a five year old Lamborghini, and right. everything is still going to be more expensive as opposed to a brand new 2020 or 2021 C8 for right. C70, 80,000 brand new with warranty where everything is going to be cheaper still. So it's right. almost, I'm still looking at something that's half the price for something that's way more. It's like, it's almost like I said. It's almost not not. It's a no brainer. It's a it's a no brainer for someone that's in your position that has the funds and has the ability ability of, of saying, "Oh, well, do I want a hurricane or what do I want to see it?" I totally agree. I I I agree with everything you just said. It it's sure you're gonna get a five year old uh, hurricane that's not covered under warranty in any way, shape, or form, and anything that might go wrong is gonna cost you a fucking arm and a leg and another fucking arm and a leg and your balls, you know, and and, and a lung, and on the C eight. Everything will be covered. So I totally listen. But and, you know what? The C it's not in the C it's not looking bad at all. I mean, you put it next to a Huracan. I mean, there, it's not like it's not like the Huracan blows the C eight away, and it's not like the C eight like outdoes the Huracan. I mean, you're like now when you're talking about appearance wise, just a parked car. You're now, you're, it's 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 equally as nice. Well, I say I say I say not stock. So stock for stock, I don't think you would say that. I'd say that if you, obviously the car is going to come with uh, coilovers, which is a fucking great decision that uh, Chevy made. Amazing. You drop the car correctly and you put a, a, a correct, a correct set of wheels on it with the correct tires and the correct uh, wheel and tire package. Yes. It, it, it definitely, I, I could agree with you that it, it'll look, it's not going to look like putting a, like let's say your C Corvette, you know, your C, your C7 Corvette and the Hurricane, because again, you're talking about a mid-engine basically a supercar, to a sports car that has supercar ability. Now uh, we're not even talking about, now we're not, now we're not even talking about when they drop right. like the Z06. Right. I mean, and uh, right. then, then you have a seven, eight year old Huracan. It's just, it, it's, it, it's the, the Corvette's really fucking shit up, man. <laughs> For everybody but else. Really, it's going to change. It's going to, like, like we talked about in the beginning, the first question, how is this mid-engine platform going to change the brand and going to change all its competitors? It's the same, I would compare with the same thing that, um, what happened with the GTR, which is not, I, I fucking hate the GTR, the Nissan GTR, the R35. But what it did for the industry is that that car, that transmission they put in there forced every fucking buddy else, Porsche, Audi, Lamborghini, Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin, it has forced everybody or did force everybody into literally saying, oh fuck. Okay, now we have to really up our game on our transmissions, our DCT transmissions, make sure that they fucking can shift close to as fast as GTR, GTR, or at least a little bit slower or faster. Because they, the fucking GTR came out and it annihilated everything, and it wasn't, it wasn't the power on the car, and it wasn't the weight that fucking didn't weigh four thousand pounds. It was, and uh, I think. Give me, give me like thirty, sec- give me like thirty seconds to talk about this GTR thing. When okay, the GTR, no. it was like the C8. It was unprecedented. Yeah. Performance style appearance right. for like sixty nine thousand um, yeah. dollars. The only issue is that the same thing happened. There was a waiting list. There right. was deal markups, which even at a markup of like ten, fifteen thousand dollars, you were still getting a bargain. Now, yeah. 
um, a fully loaded Nismo GTR is like two hundred grand. It they, yeah. they really I don't know if it's greed. I don't know what the hell to call it, but I don't know. I, it, 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 it's not greed. It's them tapping into. They know that there's a certain amount of people that they can sell that car to that they will pay that price. You know. So, in 2009, that would have been one of my top picks, or probably my top pick in 2009 for a car. Fast forward 10 years, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't even look at that thing just for that yeah. fact. It's a, yeah, I, I never. It, 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 it's the opposite of what the C6 was, because that really was what one of its direct, you know, rivals. The C6 was the driver, the ultimate driver's car. The GTR was the car that will do everything for the old to, to make you look like the ultimate driver. You're not. You're not. It wasn't an ultimate driver's car at all. It was a fucking. PlayStation fucking controller on four wheels is what that was, you know, for 80 grand. So the C8, this is what I'm trying to come to. So, okay, so the second question <laughs> that we were going to go over was, and I think we kind of covered it, but let, let's go over just a little bit. It's what modifications, if you do buy the C8, which it sounds like you're going to, what modifications would you do to it? Well, with the Z06, um, the C7 Z06 now, uh, for anybody, a, two, uh, uh, a pulley and a tune, is just a necessity. I mean, it's the most basic, most affordable mod, and it, it bumps you up like an extra 100 horsepower. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Um, yeah. When it comes to the C8, I, I don't know because, I mean, the thing with the first thing I do with, like, any car is, like, I'll put, like, an air filter on it, maybe, like, a little exhaust, but the, car already, the car's already going to have a high-performance filter. The, Z, the Z51 package is, is going to have the exhaust. So, that I mean, was my I don't next know question. What's, were, were, are you gonna, if you do get the C8, are you gonna get uh, the C51 package, or would you go with an LT3, LT2, or LT1? I, to tell you the truth, man, 100%, I don't know what I'm gonna do yet. I don't know if I'm just gonna go to, with a base model and try to do it up myself, or okay. if I'm gonna go with a 51, um, or now just wait it out for Z06 if it's gonna be a problem with the markups and the waiting list, and by that time, the Z06 right. is gonna be coming out in 24 months right behind this one. I, right. I really don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you one thing for sure. I'm going to get a C8. I can okay. tell you that. But I don't know in what manner I'm going to get it. And I don't know if I'm going to get it um, for on a 2021 waiting list or try to get a used one in a few months. Or if I, I almost feel like to find a used one is going to be next to impossible, which is also another thing that never happens. You know, right. Um, right. I just I don't know. At this point. I'm going to get one. I just don't know. Yeah, the, the, the Z51 package is, it's a $5,000 package, uh, it includes the larger brakes, the Michelin summer tires, a bigger rear swirl that we talked about that's not that big at all, it looks fucking retarded. And, um, it also covers the, um, um, what else? Oh, that's pretty much it. So, if, you know, five grand, what can you do with five grand? Well, think about what you could do with five grand with the C7. You could do a lot. You could fucking bring up the car to fucking 300 horsepower. Around yeah, so horsepower, to that, like, what, like, ZR1 is not worth it. Uh, a pulley and a tune, and you're at a ZR1. So I really don't. I gotta really look more into that. Um, one yeah. thing I know for sure is that I don't like any of the wheel options that they have. Exactly. So I'm probably gonna get to market wheels. So then, that, okay, so that's what we're gonna do. That's that's something we want to talk about, but we're not gonna talk about it on the podcast because that's something that we still have to kind of introduce. So we'll do that off the podcast, but. I'm gonna send you the. I'm gonna send you three renders. I want you to look at them, and I want you to, you know, tell me what you think and which ones you would go with. And then, if you want, maybe another day we'll we'll cover that on another podcast. But I'll send it to you after the podcast. And I want you to tell me what you think. I think you'll probably love one. You're gonna love one of them because all three look amazing. Are um, you gonna you tell me what you think. send them to me right now, like on Messenger or something? 
I'll send them to you. Well, no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to send them to you now. We'll do it after the podcast, and then we'll maybe do another podcast talking about that. And like, we we'll, that'll be a completely separate thing. I just wanted to kind of keep with the four things that we wrote down and that we we were going to talk about. So we kind of covered. So the modifications, as far as you just said, you don't know yet, just because you don't know. But like you said, the number one thing would be wheels, and that's awesome that you said that because that's the number one fucking thing, in my opinion. I think most every single person that's going to buy one, that's the first thing I want to do because the fucking stock wheels, all of them, are shit. They look like garbage. So, um, which which is kind of crazy because like I, like they nailed it. The wheels on my well, C7. I'll tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. They know that they, they, their concern is not the wheels. Their concern was just slap something on there that it doesn't matter. People are going to change it. They know. They know that 50% of the people are going to buy this car. Maybe even more. 60, 70%. For sure, without a doubt, at one point, are going to change the wheel. You know? It's, it's just a given. They were like, don't, don't even spend time on this. Just grab something off the fucking, you know, the design of the wheels that they might have had and people, they didn't, they didn't go crazy with it. But I'll tell you this. If you get the C7, uh, C7 VR1 wheels, if they would have made a little bit of a design with that, that wheel design, that split spoke, always looks great on Corvette. So they could have just grabbed something I, like that. I personally like, I think the C7, I think all the C7 wheels look good, but I think they absolutely nailed it on the C7 Z06, the rims that I have. Like, I don't even think about getting aftermarket on them. They just, and I don't understand because they did such a good job there and then they just like, I feel like somebody lost some brain cells going into the C8. I just don't know. Right. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, it, all the energy was putting it was, was going into everything else but the wheels. They didn't even get fucked. They're just like slap something on there. It doesn't matter what they look. You know, we don't care. Um, okay, and then so okay, so the we went over that. My next question, actually, the third question was why choose a C8? We a C8. You, you kind of we ran through that. And the fourth was talk about supercars, hypercars, and how they will be competing against the C8. So we kind of ran through that. Everything already. <laughs> yeah, we kind of ran through that, but I wanted your opinion on something. Was this? Um. So, because the first question we talked about, how is this car going to uh, impact the entire industry of mid-engine, um, you know, supercars? I mean, not hypercars. That's a different level, but supercars. And I think. Um, well, you, I mean, well, what what do you consider uh, the difference between a hypercar and a supercar? So that's a great question. Um, I would say that the difference between, there's a couple of differences, but I'd say that once you, and I'm not just, I don't want to talk about pricing, but pricing has to do with what car you're talking about. So this is my opinion. I would consider Pagani, Koenigsegg, and obviously, you know, the, the, the rest of the manufacturers, like let's say the LaFerrari, the La, McLaren P1, and there's a couple of other cars that McLaren's coming out with now. They're, they're actually I mean, remaking. Let me stop you there, man, because when we're talking about like hypercars, like in, in that caliber, I mean, it, it's kind of it kind of doesn't matter because I mean, if if you're playing with that and you're able to purchase that, it, you could probably buy a few C8s anyway. It doesn't even make a exactly. difference. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that that that's funny because I was gonna say that the people. This is what I was gonna say about this. So guys that have the money, people that have the money to buy the hypercars, forget supercars, that obviously have supercars and they go to the next level and get hypercars because they can afford them. I can guarantee you that there's going to be, I don't know the number, I don't know the percentage, I'm not going to throw something out, but I believe without a doubt there's going to be guys that own hypercars that are going to want to buy a C8. And that will be a first because I guarantee you that those same guys, there's going to be a percentage of those that said to themselves they would never buy a Corvette until now. So, yeah, what they're going to do is they're going to use the Corvette as uh, their grocery getter, so this way they don't put miles on their hypercars. So they I, have something yeah. similar that they could drive around to the dog park or, 
you know, they could go to wherever, you know, on the, you know, whatever, you know, and yeah. they don't have to worry about parking somewhere in somebody's scratch. For, so for them, a sixty, seventy, eight thousand dollar Corvette, it's a, it's a supercar, sports car, and they, whatever, you know, if somebody scratches it or whatever. I mean, of course, they don't want that to happen, but it's better than pulling out your, you know, five half million or million dollar Pagani, and right. something happens, you know. Right. Yeah, so, so, you, you, you asked me a great question. What's the difference between a hypercar and a supercar? What do I consider? Well, I consider, like I said, Koenigsegg, um, uh, Pagani, and then the rest, like I said, the LaFerrari, the P1, the, um, I'm trying to think, oh, the Aston Martin, uh, the, you know, like cars like a 177, uh, the Aston Martin Vulcan, the, now the Aston Martin Valkyrie, that's definitely a hypercar, the new Mercedes, the, uh, the, the GT1, that's what I what I would consider, you know. And if you go back to the '90s, the S50, and well, the S50 was I, I'd say it was supercar going into hypercar. It was switching because they had, I mean, it literally was like a Formula One car for the road, where the S40 was more a race car that was turned into a street car. And a lot of people have, you know, have misstated that. So um, it, it's changed, you know. And it, oh, of course, how, how the fuck am I missing Bugatti? You saw that Bugatti just broke the record for 300 miles per hour with their Shira. GT, which is mm-hmm. fucking awesome. So that, that's another one. And then they came out with the, the Fenty, the Fenty one. It, it's like the homage. I, I think I just got the fucking name wrong. Uh, people are going to go crazy on that. It's, um, it's the car that basically pays homage to the, the EB, uh, 112, which is pretty awesome. And, um, yeah, these are hypercars. These are things, these are cars that fucking make supercars look like bitches, you know? And, I think that it's one of those things that it, the C8 is literally aiming itself to, to you know, finally give people, it's it, 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 it what it is, what we talked about in the beginning. It's what everybody's been saying. It, it's going to be the new supercar for, because the, the, the Corvette was always the sports car that had supercar ability. It's finally a mid-engine car now. It's literally, it has the format of a supercar. Because one of the first things, in order for, you know, someone to say that that's a supercar, it has to have, it has to have a mid-engine platform. If it doesn't have a mid-engine platform, I don't care what anybody says, it's not a supercar. So, I think that's one of the things that's really, uh, you know, it, it's absolutely amazing. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you because it just, uh, that's the whole dynamic. I mean, it's almost like somebody talking about, you know, buying a, a Lamborghini, but they don't even have a job. It's like, you have to have at least a job and right. a good one at the even buy the same thing. When it's like, you have to be mid-engine to even come here and talk about it. Right. You know, the name, by the way, the name that I was, that I completely fucked up. It's called the Bugatti, the Sento, the Sento Desi or Deshi, you know, Italian. So it's basically it's the 100. I probably, can't, uh, I probably can't afford it. And so I don't even worry about pronouncing it. Oh. It's it's nine million dollars. <laughs> it's a little expensive. Um, yeah, that's that's a lot of money for that car. I mean, those cars are on a different level, but that's so that's what I would consider hypercar to supercar. But even the supercars today, man, I mean, the level, man, of of how much the bar has been raised, and again, that's what the C8 represents. It's, it's literally Chevy raising the bar on a car that has been fucking, you know, around for 70 plus years and now is going to move into this level. So I think we pretty much covered everything we wanted to talk about. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of maybe mention or, you know, right before um, we end the podcast? We touched down on, we touched down on a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, I told you it, it, the time flies when you start talking about cars on the podcast. It's 
real quick. Um, anything that you can think of, anything as far, oh, wait, we, wait, wait, we gotta touch one thing. We have to mention this, because this is number one for me, man. It's been number one, and it's one of the things that I think I fucking hate about the CA. And, um, it's the fact that it's only gonna come in the eight-speed automatic. What do you think about that? Um, I'm one of those rare people, man. I prefer automatic, man. I'm one of those rare really? people. I mean, stick shift is cool. And, I mean, if I want a stick shift, I'll go get a stick shift car. But, right. um, like, for example, man, like, when I drive the, the C7 Z06, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I mean, the car is so much power. It shifts so fast that right. it just really, like, it just can't, it just, I, and I get it, you know, you, you're in control of the transmission in the car and the field, and you're like one with the car, and you're, the, you're pushing the clutch down, you're shifting, and I get that. And I, and, and I almost feel like that's perfect for like certain times and certain cars, like right. the Supra, like that's perfect for a Supra, like a twin turbo Supra. But right. like, it's like, you know, like you were saying, rims have an advance, like cars keep advancing. And, you know, I sometimes I just want to hold a steering wheel, hit the gas and feel that car shift so fast and get, you know, and just like, it's almost like I, I can't even shift the car. Like yeah, I yeah. No, nobody, yeah, nobody can come close to shifting anywhere near, even for the past 15 years, any near, near the DCT transmissions that are out, the dual clutch, single clutch. So I get that people, I get it. They're like, oh man, like, why won't you give us a manual? Like, and, and I, I do get that, but I do understand, and I, I feel like I'm one of the few people that like that get it, you know? Because I like, I, I, I get it. I totally understand what they're doing. Porsche tried to kill the manual. They fucked up with the 911R. They they said that was going to be the last, you know, six speed that they were going to make a manual. And then look 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 what happened with the market. Said no, you're not, motherfuckers. You're going to bring that shit back. So this is my opinion on it, and I think this is what Chevy should have done. And I don't know why they didn't do it, but I do know why they did it because they don't want they they want every single review out there, every single YouTube page, uh, YouTube uh video. They want every single automotive journalist, you know, saying. Hey, listen, this is how fast the car is, and it, it doesn't matter who you are. You get in the car, and it's that fast. I understand that, but give us the option. Just make it an option. It wouldn't have cost them anything to just say, okay, listen, guys, we are going to be pushing the automatic, the eight-speed automatic, because it's fucking awesome, the, the Tremec DCT. We will push it, but if someone wants to fucking, you know, the seven-speed from the C06, the, the C7 6 hey, we're going to give it to them. And I when think I'm, that's what you're going to do. When I'm driving a Z06, I'm like, let's say if, I'm on, if I'm on a boulevard and I'm turning to get on the highway and I, and I, and I turn and I get on the ramp and I floor it. It's mm-hmm. just, I, I just imagine having a shift is going to slow the car down. No, it just, will. It will. No one's saying that it won't. It, we all know that no, no human today can keep up or even be as close to a fast as these dual truck, you know, dual clutch transmissions, single clutch transmissions. We know that, but there's a disconnect. I think a lot of the drive, you know, a lot of the guys out there that love a manual. And I, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you that once uh, someone, there will be a shop. I don't know what, there was actually a shop. I got to get their name. They were amazing. These guys actually put a fucking, a six feet from an R8 into a hurricane, which is fucking awesome. Um, so that was pretty amazing. So there are some guys that, you know, have these, obviously have the ability. There will be, without a doubt, there will be guys that are going to do it. There's going to be some shop that's going to probably charge Fucking forty, fifty thousand dollars to do it, maybe a little bit less, thirty thousand, uh, to convert a C8 into a seven-speed manual from the Z06. For sure, we will see that. Um, now, and and why I, I can imagine how some people feel that they want the C8 so bad, but they want a manual. And this is probably like an extreme analogy, 
but it's almost like buying a car and you have a chauffeur to drive you in it. I don't even care if I got a Rolls Royce. Like I, I'm a driver. Like I don't need a right. chauffeur, man. Maybe on a rare occasion, and I'll hire somebody to do that. But that's probably what they feel like is they're getting the car and they could, they're not really essentially driving the car that they buy. Right. You know? Well, that's 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 my problem with the car itself. Like if you ask me right now, like right now, the good discussion we were just talking about the, the decision of Hurricane or C8. So you can't buy a manual Hurricane. But I would tell you this. Forget about pricing, right? And that, that's where this comes down to, is the hurricane, I understand. I, I understand why, because it, there's never been a manual. I mean, they had manual Gallardos, and they killed it off. So you have all these manufacturers wanting to kill off the manual. I don't agree with it. I think they should all leave it as an option. But it's not an easy thing to leave as an option, because then, then you have different... There's different components. There's different transmissions. You know, that, that you'd have to have the manual ready to go into a hurricane, and they have to design that. So I understand from a manufacturer's point of view why is it that they're not getting the option, but they can do it, and they should do it. And you know what? Put a premium on it. If someone wants a fucking manual, it used to be the other way around, right? It used to be that when you bought a manual, you actually got to spend less for the car. You know, I mean, well, like in, let's say, for example, in, in Europe, where automatics were the rare thing, manual was the norm, you had to actually pay more money for an automatic. And now it's yep. switched. And, and, and Mustang, you know, a uh, Mustang. Ford did the same thing now with the Shelby. And obviously they have the same, that was the one last thing I wanted to cover. What do you think about Ford and Chevy, or the Mustang and the Corvette now having the same exact AC transmission? What do you think about that? Uh, they have the, what, the, it's the same transmission, like exactly the same from a manufacturer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same exact, yeah, it's the same Tremec, uh, uh, DCT. Same exact transmission. I don't know. If it I, mean, I mean, if then, I mean, if it's up to Chevy standards, then I guess the Ford Mustang is on a Chevy <laughs> Corvette standard. I mean, it's good for Mustang. Then, if, well, if I mean, like, if, like if like the engineers are like, yeah, we could put this in the Corvette, and Mustangs right. using the same part, then I guess Mustang right. got a good ass engine. You know, that's all I said. Well, they, I, I think what's going on is that there's there's been a um, there's been a uh, like a increase in manufacturing process of certain parts. Including transition, and I think what what I think what's going on is that manufacturers now have starting to slowly shift this rivalry, you know, that they've always had, you know, like oh, like you know how it is, Chevy guys hate the Ford guys, the Ford guys hate the Chevy guys, and then it's everything in between. And there's kind of been this, you know, they're not comparable. I've always said the same thing: you cannot compare a pony car to a Corvette. The Corvette was never a pony car. It was always a two-seater, never had four seats in, in its entire life, right? And the, the Mustang always had four seats and two doors. The Corvette now, was never... Now, that's what I was going to say. Like, I've had a Mustang and I've had a Corvette. Like, I've drove I've drove everything, man. And a, a Mustang is a car, man. It's, right. it's, it's a sporty car. A Corvette right. is a sports car. That's the difference. A Mustang is right. a sporty car. It, it's a two-door, but it, it has two seats in the back. And right. it, it's it's shaped like a car. It's 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 a little well, yeah. sport, you know. But a Corvette is a sports car. It's it's you really there's really no comparison, you know. Right. I mean, you can race right. if you want, but that's the difference is is that why at the end sport and sporty, right? You know? Yeah, it's it, it, again. It's the Mustang was a pony car. You know, it was comparable to the Camaro and the Challenger. Those were the three pony cars, and you know that was what was comparable. You you 
But it's funny how the Ford guys sometimes will, or the Chevy guys actually, will just be like, oh, that fucking Mustang's a piece of shit. I got a piece of shit. I'll never buy that. Dude, stop. Stop trying to compare that car with your Corvette. That Mustang yeah. was never comparable. And like I said, I was never, I've never even was on Corvettes until I got mine. Then when you're in a car and you have a car and you own a car and you go on the forums and then you start learning things about the car that you wouldn't know if you didn't own it. Right. It's just like Corvette is literally in a class of its own, you know, right. almost like almost like Lamborghini. Now I'm not comparing it to, but Lamborghini is a sports car, but it is in the class of its own, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, and for I sure. feel yeah, like the same way. Um, when it comes to Ferraris, I love Ferraris, but I, I don't feel like Ferraris in the class of its own. I feel like I feel like. McLaren could compete with it. I feel like Aston Martin could compete with it. There's a lot of other cars, but when it comes to Lamborghinis, when it comes to Corvettes, I do feel like those two cars, even though they get compared to a lot of things, they are in a class of its own. That's just my personal take on it. You know, everybody has their own take on everything. Well, so I grew up with a wall, a poster wall, a giant poster wall. It was huge, like six-foot poster wall of a Lamborghini Countach S, a white one with a black background. A lot of kids grew up with that poster. Didn't we all? I, I think I think a lot of us did. I don't know if you had that poster, but I had that one. It was pretty awesome. And it was funny. Um, we'll, we'll leave off with this because this is a funny story that I had with uh, the Lamborghini. So check was this a, out. I was um. What, what was I'm sorry. What did you say, Lance? Mine was Diablo, the Lamborghini Diablo. The Diablo. Yeah, I never got a Diablo because that that was already that was back when I was in Caracas, Venezuela. That was a long time ago. But um, I did have a book. That obviously had like you know it was it was a old school book that was made and it it had the Diablo and that was my next I loved that Diablo. It's funny you mentioned the Diablo because this was the story that I was going to tell you. So I'm 13 years old. We're here in Miami. I'm here with my mom. Pull up to the gas station right by where you live, right West Palm. And this fucking Lamborghini Diablo, black Lamborghini Diablo, pulls into the gas station. And I'm this is one of the first times I'm seeing it, and I'm fucking going crazy. I'm just like, oh my god, you know, like this is the hero car that I've been, you know dying to see him in person and, you know, get inside of, so the guy comes out and my mom was, you know, my mom was like, oh, that's my son's favorite car. And I'm just looking at the car like, oh my God, it's a Diablo, you know, going crazy. And, um, and the guy's like, uh, oh, uh, if you don't, if, if it's okay with you, I'll give him a ride down the street. I just was like, what? What? So I get in the car and we go down the street, he fucking floors it. We do like 90 miles per hour. Remember, I'm like 13 years old. And I had been in a couple of cars, but, you know, this was awesome. And first Lamborghini Diablo turn, and we come back to the gas station. We did 90 in first gear. You know, that was like going a 1,000 miles per hour back then. It was just, it was fucking crazy to me. I was just like, holy shit, I can't believe I just did that. Amazing experiences, way before social media, way before smartphones. I couldn't take a picture, you know. It, it was it was a very personal experience because um, the next time that, you know, after that, I just started going crazy. I wanted to learn everything about the car. And I remember uh, another time, a, a friend of mine, uh, who's a multimillionaire, but I'm not going to mention his name or anything. He's got a couple cars, and a Diablo. He's got, he's got a, he's got a Diablo, and he's got a Countach. And later on, when I went to go sit inside the car, and I'm, you know, I'm now I'm like, I was like 16, 17. I'm, you know, I'm starting to really, really start learning my shit about cars. You know, I noticed I'm like, I started learning that the car really, engineering wise, was a fucking piece of shit. I mean, it, it really, it, it looked amazing, and it was it was our favorite fucking car, but engineering-wise, man, when you sat inside the car, I don't know if you've ever sat in Diablo, but I think you did. You told me you sat in almost everything in Lamborghini. The pedals 
are shifted all the way to the right. So, for example, the clutch is not where the clutch is supposed to be. The clutch is where the gas would usually be, or the brake. Then the brake would be where the gas is, and the gas pedal is literally all the way up in the corner, touching the, the transmission pedal, the, the, everything about it. I mean, was, just to stop you right there for one second, I agree with you only for the fact that I feel that every car essentially, in a way, is a piece of shit, honestly. <laughs> It's well, just, we can't say that. I mean, what, what well, I mean is, it, well, if you compared it to the the time, the, the Ferrari of the time, the three hundred eight and stuff like that, those weren't good cars either. But which one was the more badass car at the time? For sure, the Lamborghini. I mean, well, the Lamborghini what, always had the what I mean by that, crown, you know. What I mean by that is, they inevitably every car needs something, um, and which I which is understandable, but. There's a lot of things on cars that could be done a lot better, and they just don't do it. And I understand it's because they got to be as cost-effective as possible. But yeah. it doesn't matter if I'm driving an Aventador and it breaks down. I'm gonna get out and say this car is a piece of shit. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Well, yeah, you're gonna yeah that 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 could that could be an example. But I, I just meant that there was just certain things that were not they should have been engineered. A way better before the car actually got put into production. That's what I meant. It was, it, it was, it was done, it was done a little bit half-assed because the engineering term, I mean, I know the history of Lamborghini and the, the, the engineering firm itself, the department, you have to understand this, this is, Lamborghini came from, as I'm sure you know, it came from a, a, a person who decided that Ferrari was an asshole because he tried to come to him and say, hey, listen, I'd like to, you know, build a supercar, and he's like, ha, fuck you, you'll never be better. He says, oh yeah, fuck me, okay, I'm gonna go build my own fucking supercar company, fuck you. And then came out, obviously, with Amira, and Lamborghini was born. Um, and there's more to the story, but, so it's a great story, because it, it shows, and now, this, this is, so this is what I'm gonna tell you. In comparison to that story, you have guys like that today, and those two guys are Koenigsegg and Pagani, Horatio Pagani. So what I'm saying, and, and if you look at those two cars, when you compare them to the norm, Lamborghini, Ferrari, they're like we're talking about. They're at a they're at a different level. They're hypercars. You can't compare them to supercars. So what I mean is that we, you know, the Diablo, as as cool as it is, as we all thought it, it, it was, it looked amazing. It had an amazing shape. That was um, you know, the car essentially was ahead of its time. I mean, it was fast. It had had everything. I mean, obviously looking back now, if you look at Aventador and engineering on that. Um, and you look at a Diablo, I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, we just, but, um, I mean, in respects to the Countach and the Diablo, the Countach was ahead of its time, but I feel that the Diablo was way ahead of its time, especially with the styling and just how they built the body was really the biggest sure. thing. Cause I mean, you could have essentially put that chassis and motor and tranny in, in, in a Mura. Or, or, or the Joppa, whatever, whatever those cars yeah, are. Right, right. That styling, when they finished it and then they did the styling on the seats, I mean, that car, I mean, even to this day, you see it and it's, it breaks your neck, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it was one of those cars that just, it was Diablo, just the name was like, oh my God, you know, and, and then obviously I, I even to this day, Diablo is just timeless and it always will be, uh, sure. more I feel sort of than the Countach, but the Countach is, I think the Diablo out edges a Countach. Um, and I mean, I think it even outdoes a, a Gallardo. Um, you know, but 
now, but then when you get to the Mercy Lago, obviously the Mercy Lago outdoes the Diablo. But yeah. I feel like the Diablo outdoes the Gallardo in a lot of ways, man. You know, especially yeah, I mean, even in the I early. I think in the look department, in the look department, I would agree with you. But eh, everything else, man, I'm telling you, I think. Remember the Countach. I don't know if you saw this on top here, but okay. So when you bought a Countach, the factory had to tell you there was a certain way to back up the car. Like if you had to back up into a space. There was a certain way, there was a, 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 what they call it, the way they, they came up with a procedure to back the car up. And the procedure was, you had to sit up, door open, sit on the ledge of the car, on the outside body of the ledge, while you had your foot on the gas and the clutch, and literally had to be sitting outside the car, half your body was sitting outside the car while you were looking back. That was the only correct way, or safe way, to back up the car into a space, and three-point turn it into a space, um, without fucking up the, without curb rashing the wheels or fucking up the body or, you know, fucking up the, the, the front or side fender. It was crazy. It was, that which, was the... Which I've done in the Inventador. Okay, well, yeah, but the Inventador, you don't have to do it. In the Inventador, it, 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 you know, you got your, you know, you have the camera, the backup camera, you have the, you know, you have the, the, the mirrors that, that, that obviously... Still, down still, still, I lifted the door up and I'm still making sure I don't want curb the rims. Yeah, it's, it's a very, right, it's a very wide car, so it's a, it, it's funny, but it's just, and you know, it's funny that they came up with that idea. I mean, Top Gear on Top yeah, Gear. The, and, and the Diablo both ran very rough. Um, They were just rough running cars. Um, yeah, they were raw. The Gallardo cars. wasn't as rough once they got to the Gallardo, uh, but then the Gallardo was a, The Gallardo was a completely, it was a, I'm telling you, like I said, Audi, if it wasn't for Audi, I, 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 if, I remember when Audi first, when, the, when it was declared that Audi bought Lamborghini, and I'm like, this is the end of Lamborghini. We're never going to have, like, an official Italian, badass, crazy-looking, space-shit-looking, fucking crazy, you know, like, what the designs that we that we always loved from Lamborghini. That, that I thought it was it. It was over. We were going to get something that was a lot like the R8. And it's funny how when you put those two cars next to each other, I know that they're the same frame. They are the same. They're pretty much the same suspension and everything. Same engine and everything. Same internal components, everything. But when you change the interior, you change the body of it. When you put those two cars together, man, they both make you feel completely different. You know, they, they're two different cars for two different people. Um, I probably would never buy an R8 only because if I'm going to buy a Hurricane, I'm not going to buy more than one or two. If I had the money, then yeah, I would buy both. If you told me right now, but, but, but in my opinion, my ideal Hurricane is an Ithaca Green or Ithaca Verde, um, uh, you know, the Evo, the Lamborghini, uh, Huracan Evo. And obviously, the first thing I would do is, is it is, I, I didn't even know this, uh, until too long, because I thought it was, it was that when the Evo came out, that it was two wheel drive, like the, uh, like the 620 2s and the 550-2s and the Balboni edition was all two wheel drive, which is fucking sick. The Evo is actually four wheel drive. So what's awesome about that car is that you can literally drop the diff out of that thing, and then you're talking about losing almost 200 plus, I think it's 280, almost maybe, maybe 300 pounds. Could be around that that weight. You just drop 300 pounds out of the car, and and you know out of the, basically the front of the car, which completely changes the dynamics of the car. So I I salute Audi <laughs> for buying Lamborghini and turning it into the company that it's become. Because I think without them, they would have never ended up uh, you know where they're at right now. But dude, Lance, I don't want to hold you up. I know it's been an hour and 38 minutes, so we've we've had a pretty awesome podcast. Um, you gave me your any closing thoughts, any anything else you want to just add before we end the podcast? Um, 
Nah, man, we 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 touched on a lot of stuff, man. I think yeah, uh, I think the people that listen to this, I think they're gonna get the idea by now. For sure, for sure. All right, Lance. Well, it's been awesome to do the podcast with you. Um, uh, I'll send you the link so you can go ahead and spread it out. I'm gonna post. Obviously, I'm gonna grab the link. I'm gonna put it on the on the on the uh, the Facebook uh, page, uh, the owners, C8 uh, owners and friends. And uh, we'll hopefully we can have another one if you want. Like I said, we'll we'll talk about that other one where we can talk more about we can go really into depth with the wheels and what we can do with the wheels and what wheels are available and you know who are going to be some of the first manufacturers who are going to come up with the measurement, all that stuff. Like, uh, we can maybe go into that. Yes, yeah, so, so just uh, send me those renders, man. Okay, I'm going to send you the renders, and uh, if you want, uh, we can do another podcast whenever you want. We can talk about cars, and you want to. You know, spread the word to your friends and all that stuff. Uh, I, I'm more than welcome to have anybody that you want come on the show and talk about. Uh, maybe we could do another one. Where we could talk about more about the hyperform, the the supercar and the hyper um, the hypercar industry and all the crazy stuff that's going on there. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, I'll catch up with you. Okay, cool, Lance. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. See you later. See you later.